Welcome in to today's Illini in the Bracket podcast, your quick daily podcast on everything going on today relevant to Illinois in the NCAA tournament, including fallout from recent games, where the Illini stand right now, and upcoming games that should be on your radar. What just happened? Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's start off with a quick review of last night's games. Last night, we just had three games of interest, really. Uh, USC lost to Wazoo, so Wazoo wins. Wazoo's starting to creep into five seeds in the bracket. They're kind of on that 5-6 line, kind of like how Illinois is on the 4-5 line. I think they don't stand a huge chance at passing Illinois unless things go badly for Illinois upcoming, but possible second-round opponent to kind of keep your eye on. Also, St. Mary's and Gonzaga both won handily out in the WCC. They're setting up a great final regular season game on Saturday night. We'll talk about that a little later. They've also wrapped up the top two seeds in the WCC, so they will have buys to the semifinals. We'll talk a little bit more about St. Mary's, especially later on in the podcast. There was one last game of interest. It was Ohio State beating Nebraska, that's only really interesting for Big Ten tournament bracketology that almost assures Illinois of a double buy. So we're going to nearly lock Illinois into those top four. Guys, where are we? Not much changed in the bracket. Recently, Illinois is still on that 4-5 border. They're kind of flip-flopping with Kentucky in some brackets, but I maintain there's not a huge difference between a four and a five seed as far as being a protected seed. The site that Illinois would really like to go to is in Indianapolis. Purdue's kind of got one of those Indianapolis spots locked up. So the other team in the top four that will almost certainly get a shot at Indy ahead of Illinois is Marquette. I think Purdue and Marquette pretty much have those. Purdue's going to stay ahead of Illinois. Marquette, unless they totally collapse, is going to get it. So Illinois is likely to be sent somewhere other than Indy. I don't think it is going to matter a whole lot in terms of being a protected seed. They're not going to have to face another four that that is better than them that wants Indy also. So I I think it's it's not a big deal. So let's take a break from the bracket analysis and get into... Why is the defense so bad, and can it be fixed? This is the topic on everyone's mind after that enormous offensive showdown against Minnesota. The concerns are natural about the defense. Brad was asked in his postgame press conference about turnovers, and he said something like, show me a team that turns people over, and I'll usually show you a bad team. And this is one of those, this is where I get frustrated with Brad's at least quotes because he clearly doesn't tell the truth (laughs) a lot of the times which whatever you can use press conferences however you want but but brad knows about houston brad knows about iowa state brad knows about marquette and yes he said usually show you a bad team but he's well aware of houston that houston turns people over in bunches they put a lot of pressure on you and houston is fantastic and and He's no doubt aware of this, and he, he sees how well it works. So he has his reasons for not doing doing kind of what Houston does, not blitzing ball screens, not not being very aggressive. But he doesn't 
want to let us in on that. I, I would guess that it's because he thinks that we don't have the personnel to execute it or, or that we are mentally concentrating on other things, something like that, you know, but publicly he kind of seems to be like, oh, well, I tried turning people over and it doesn't work at high levels. So, you know, so instead I just play the play a defense that will not turn people over whatsoever. And that that doesn't fly with me. I, I don't think that's totally what's going on there. So what what are we doing that is so bad? I think even last year, and possibly even before, we kind of let opponents get comfortable. You know, for examples of this, you can look at Indiana last year. Trace Jackson Davis just dominated us, and we never we never made him uncomfortable. He he kind of continued to attack Coleman, conti- attacked whoever we had in there. And Trace Jackson Davis was a great college player, but we never we were slow to send him double teams. Penn State last year, Jalen Pickett, and actually to some extent both those teams this year, um, Malik Renew, and I'm blanking on the the kid that kind of tore us up at Penn State this year. But people get in the groove. You saw it even most recently with both Cam Christie from the outside. Now, some of those shots I will will submit were more contested, and Cam just stepped up and made, made great shots. But he did great. And Dawson Garcia, again, taking Coleman into the post. And we've seen this again and again. So I'd like to see some schematic changes where we attempt to get our opponents uncomfortable. I don't want to change our base defense, but I do want to throw in some more aggressive coverages of ball screens, maybe some more aggressive digs and doubles in the post for post players because people are kind of booty balling Coleman and just bullying him to the basket. And Coleman doesn't seem capable of, of stopping this. I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that he gets there, but right now it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Maybe we'll see more Dane to kind of stop this, but Dane presents his own challenges defensively. Another thing, but we kind of look like players aren't fully engaged defensively. You know, I think Mike Latulip did kind of a breakdown where he looked at kind of our defense against Marquette and more people were more aggressive, you know, getting to their man on screens, getting over screens. Terrence does a great job right now. I think the Latulip video didn't kind of account for how well we've been scouted and it is, you know, it's much more difficult for us to defend when opponents are kind of exploiting our weaknesses. We're we're being exploited. And but some of this is due to us just not appearing engaged. Sometimes we we don't have that effort, and a lot of times it looks like we're just kind of confused about where to be. So making, I guess, what would be called mistakes, but we we don't seem to be fixing that a lot. We're, we're continuing to make kind of the same mistakes. So I would definitely like to see more aggression, more like give our players more certainty in what they're supposed to do, even if it causes mistakes and rotations. Brad, again, I don't know how how much we can take his public quotes at face value, but Brad says, you know, things like he doesn't want to get caught in rotation, but uh, here's the thing. Like I, I see college players make mistakes all the time when they're pressured. And this is only going to be heightened in the NCAA tournament when the pressure is at the highest. So I think that properly, you know, having, having, you know, a solid base defense, but occasionally, 
you know, more occasionally than we've tended to do it, applying pressure, applying uncertainty, forcing people into making mistakes, even if it, even if there's a possibility of giving up lip, like our base defense has possibilities of giving up lips. Our base defense has possibilities of giving up wide open threes. At least make opponents a little uncertain. And I'm sure you've heard this other places, but but this it seems like a missed opportunity to me to not take advantage of this psychology. But it doesn't look like that will be our approach. When we have blitzed off ball screens, it seems kind of more accidental. So our approach appears to be to more perfect what we've been doing, like denying threes and then just kind of staying more engaged and hoping that teams don't pick on Damascus as much, I guess, or hoping essentially it looks like what we're hoping is that Damascus can exploit the other teams more than teams can exploit him. And, you know, I appreciate Brad in press conferences saying, you know, look, our offense is great. We'll outscore you. But it sort of seems like he's downplaying the defensive concerns. It seems like he kind of does that when he privately has concerns. I think last year, for instance, he kind of downplayed some chemistry concerns, understandably, but it's clear that those were there. So I do think that we can obviously get better than our recent defense just without changing philosophies. But this weakness is still there, and it, it doesn't seem optimal. I think that we should make schematic changes at least a little bit to force to force the issue, to force mistakes. You know, this game is not completely played on paper. It's a psychological game. People make mistakes. People have emotions. I would like to see Illinois take more advantage of that, uh, especially with the type of length that they have defensively and kind of make people less comfortable. But it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. So I think we're kind of stuck with what we got. Hopefully it all works out. Let's take a look at games over the next weekend. Next. To start on Friday, we've got Dayton, which is uh, kind of a five or six seed in the Matrix at Loyola on ESPN2. This is a quad two game for Dayton. I think Dayton is favored by a couple points. There's actually a, a really good... Friday night game, so Friday 8 p.m. on ESPN2. Check that out. Saturday is a killer day, and again, this is more about games that affect Illinois in the bracket, so I'm going to leave off some really good teams. They just don't, their games don't really affect Illinois at all in the bracket. We'll start with Florida at South Carolina at 11 a.m. on ESPN. Both of these teams are 6 7 seeds, so this is probably more scouting for possible round two opponents. But it's possible that one or both these teams could pass Illinois, you know, if if they get hot. So Florida at South Carolina, 11 a.m. on ESPN. At 12, there's one game you all know about. That's Illinois-Wisconsin. We'll get into that with a preview a little later. But another huge game, of course, is KU at Baylor at noon. This is on ABC, so a, a rare college game on ABC. This looks really interesting. I think it's possible Illinois could pass either KU or Baylor, probably not both. Right now, Baylor is closer, but kind of looking at resumes, KU doesn't have a whole lot, especially outside of Fog Allen. This is their chance, of course, to get one back after losing one at Fog Allen to BYU. I think we want to root for KU here and not Baylor and just kind of accept that KU is past us and that we can catch up to Baylor, but 
there's a silver lining, I would say, on, on either result. Next game of interest, Arkansas at Kentucky, 1230 on CBS. Arkansas has been a mess. I don't expect them to be able to beat Kentucky, but Kentucky's had weird letdowns all the time. They've been extremely inconsistent, reminiscent of uh, possibly an Illinois team. So we'll see what happens here. Rooting big time for Arkansas as Kentucky is beginning to gather momentum. And again, this is a possible matchup that we could see in the second round. Easily could be Illinois-Kentucky as a 4-5. That's not something I'm looking forward to, but Illinois has proven that they can just outscore teams that are ridiculously hot shooting. And Kentucky is definitely one of those teams, but this could also, you know, be a mess from Illinois' perspective if they get matched up against them. Another great game, 130 on Fox, Marquette at Creighton. We are rooting for Marquette. We believe Marquette is kind of unpassable by Illinois at this juncture. So Creighton looks to have passed Illinois in many brackets, not all. So keeping them from getting a victory against Marquette is of utmost importance. A game with two less than stellar teams, Penn State at Minnesota. 215 on Big Ten Network. Why is this important? Well, Minnesota dropped last night from a Q2 victory to Q3. They are now 76th in the net. And as I mentioned last podcast, it is much better if a team is 75th in the net than 76th. So we really want Minnesota to get to the right side of that. Really, a Minnesota blowout is the best possible scenario. Kind of move them up several spots in the net so we don't have to keep watching them flip-flap back and forth here get Illinois another quad two victory I know some people think that this you know oh this is so minor and and it should be but these psychological factors really do affect the committee these are humans picking teams based on you know yes they go based on a lot of metrics but it's impossible for human factors and psychology not to influence that decision so just get them up there on the team sheet make the Illinois record look better against quad one quad two and that has a big effect so let's go minnesota at 3 p.m espn2 mississippi state at auburn auburn is up there on the kind of three four edge i've seen illinois actually ahead of auburn on a few brackets but most of the time they're behind auburn this would be a i think mississippi state is like borderline quad one quad two but let's shut down Auburn here. Auburn, I expect to win handily as they are at home, but you never know. Iowa State plays UCF also at 3 p.m. This one's on ESPN Plus again. Big 12 likes to put Iowa State on ESPN Plus. Rooting big time for UCF. Iowa State's been a little suspect on the road, but they have that defense. That defense travels. They create turnovers, Brad, and they're still really good. Next up, UVA at Duke, 5 p.m. on ESPN. We're rooting hard against Duke. Duke is kind of right on that 3-4 line. That's where Illinois would rather be. Virginia tends to ugly things up. So if you really didn't like, you know, the 105-97 to game Illinois played and you want a different style, check this one out. We'll see how UVA can break 45 in this game. This is 
again, 5 p.m. on ESPN. In fact, all these last three games are on ESPN back to back to back. So we've got UVA at Duke at 5. We've got Tennessee at Alabama at 7 p.m. on ESPN. Again, rooting for Tennessee hard. Bama is kind of in that 2-3 range. Go Tennessee. And finally, Gonzaga at St. Mary's, 9 p.m. ESPN. This is actually a really great game. The Zags are still kind of in the 11 seed range, and St. Mary's is more in the 6 seed range. But I think St. Mary's, if they were to get a win here, and then which would be a quad one win, and then get another quad one win against Gonzaga in the WCC final, which I think will be happening not next week, but the week after, kind of after the Big Ten regular season ends. Yeah, Gonzaga would be playing St. Mary's possibly in the WCC finals. These are the top two seeds. They get buys to the WCC semifinal. I think St. Mary's could have a resume that, that looks really good if they get quad one wins in both of those games. I think if they lose, they're going to be behind Illinois no matter what. Gonzaga, another good team that could be a possible even first-round opponent, like in a 5-12 game, if they win the WCC tournament but lose this game, something like that. So something to think about. This should be a really good game. St. Mary's is a really good team. They haven't lost for a long time. They're 15-0 in the WCC, looking to looking to get uh, be undefeated in their conference with a win here. And on Sunday, we have another net battle game, Maryland, which is now number 70 in the net, hosts IU at 1 p.m. on Big CBS. Maryland, you know, 70 in the net. We just want to make sure they don't slip down to 76, uh, as that would give Illinois a, quote, bad loss. And again, these things matter. So let's root hard for Maryland to stay in there, and, and nobody will have any problems rooting against Indiana. Let's get into the Illinois-Wisconsin preview, finally. This game is at noon on Big Ten Network. Wisconsin's obviously been struggling lately, lost six of the last eight, but five of those were on the road, and one of the the other one, the home game, is to Purdue. So their only losses at home are to Tennessee and Purdue, and both of those teams could very well be one seeds. And they beat Marquette there, and Marquette could be a two seed. And they also beat MSU at home. So they're still tough at home. They haven't looked great, but there's there's still something to worry about there. Torvik keeps a game score. It's kind of 0 to 100 based on both efficiency and game flow. So this can kind of look at how teams have performed in each game. 90 above and above is is you know good enough to win most of the time unless you're playing against a really good team, a good opponent as well. So Illinois' lowest games this year are 54 against Valpo, 62 in the home game against Maryland, 75 against Oakland, and 76 against Indiana. Interestingly, all four of those were actually at home. So we haven't we haven't played a bad game on the road at all. I know most people would say like what about Penn State? That was not great, but you know, it wasn't considered a bad game by by this metric. Wisconsin meanwhile has 70 games at 60 or under. Illinois as a reminder has one their home win against Valpo. Wisconsin has seven, uh, seven games at 60 or under, including an 11 at Rutgers, a 15 at Providence. But they also have several that are 95-plus, like against UVA, their games against Michigan State, their game at home against Marquette. 
So last year, those are comparable, the, the low ones, to like last year's Illinois. And actually, there's a lot of similarities between Illinois last year and Wisconsin this year. Hopefully the same kind of falling apart down the stretch and not totally trusting each other, things like that. Last year, Illinois had game scores of like 11 versus Mizzou. So that's a reminder of how, of how bad this game at Rutgers was for Wisconsin. Because if you remember the Mizzou game last year, it was deserving of a low rank. 21 versus Indiana last year, 36 versus PSU last year. Those are the kinds of games Illinois had last year. It is notable that they haven't had any games near that bad this year. They've all, even in their quote-unquote bad games, they've been competitive. They haven't just totally fallen apart. Wisconsin has the capability of totally falling apart. We'll see if Illinois' defense can muster up the ability to stop a still stout Wisconsin offense. But I guess I would say I still think Illinois has got the firepower to beat them, even up in the Kohl Center. I think this would be Illinois' best win of the season, and I think they get it. So I'm going to go ahead and predict Illinois wins 82-74 to 74 in the Kohl Center. That's all for today. Thank you for listening to Illini in the Bracket. Give us a quick five-star review if you like what I'm doing here. I'm very appreciative of it, and we'll be back on Monday with another episode.